Hey guys, it's Brian here. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As mentioned in the description, this is a multiple part episode. So please, please, please stay tuned. Be on the lookout for part two. It'll become coming your way soon. Thank you guys. Love y'all. All right, here we are. We're back. Welcome to the Resurrecting the Mind, Body, and Soul podcast. With Brian and Debbie Godowski, episode two. Episode two is going to be about my cancer diagnosis. So, as we've said before, um, our podcast is very real talk, unscripted. Um, but for these next few episodes, we have put together some questions. Um, Brian puts together some questions for me to ask him, and vice versa when it when it gets um, gets a, a few episodes down. But we did that just to keep us on track and as a guide and we don't there's some things we just don't want to forget to include but we might go off of this too so uh, we uh, we look forward to sharing um, our journey with you and with that said bud um, we're calling this episode to the cancer diagnosis yes and we are actually coming up on the 10th anniversary of finding, getting that diagnosis mm-hmm. um, that is coming up in November. Yep. So with that said, why do you feel a need or a desire to, to now talk about your story? Well, there's a, there's a lot of reasons. Um, one in particular is you know, I've really never shared my story publicly besides with the people that are close to us. Um, and now, the reason I'm sharing it now is because I feel more comfortable sharing it. I feel more confident sharing it. And, you know, it's only been a few years since I've felt that way, maybe, maybe even a year or two. But you know, back when I first got, got diagnosed, I wasn't wanting to share it with anybody. I actually wanted to keep it, you know, more so a secret than anything. Mm-hmm. But now I'm ready to share it with the world. I'm ready to get it out there. And so if anybody's listening that, you know, may be dealing with something similar, whether that's brain cancer, whether that's, if that's a disease or anything that they're going through that's causing a lot of trauma and you know, a lot of pain in their life. Uh, I want to see if I can maybe relate to them, maybe, you know, give them what they need to get through with whatever they're going through. Yeah, for sure. Um, Looking back, were there ever any opportunities for you to share your story and you decided not to? There was. Uh, So as you know, we're a part of Head for the Cure. Once, you know, we got diagnosed once we got part of the brain cancer community. I, I was asked a few times if I could you know, share my story, whether that was on camera, whether that was in an email. And you know, I did that to a certain extent, but I never really put out what I wanted to or what I needed to. Mm-hmm. So I kind of shied away from it. I kept it to myself and honestly, I. I didn't really want to put myself in the community because deep down I didn't 
you know, I didn't feel like I was part of the community. I was kind of in denial, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I I was in denial for a long time at the beginning. But yeah, I've I've passed up many opportunities. Yeah, and and I I share that. Um, I didn't share share a lot either, and. Um, even the whole head for the cure experience, which we'll talk a lot more about that later, but um, for me, it made it real. Yeah. And I spent the first quite a bit of time trying to pretend like it wasn't real. Yeah. So let's um, let's move on. Let's go to that day. What happened the day you found out you had brain cancer? Well, that day was less than a month after Emily and I got married. Um, we were actually moving to y'all's house, as you know, to spend some time there to save up for our first home together, to save up for a down payment. And I, I believe it was a Thursday, maybe a Friday. I'd just gotten off work, and my job at that time was to come home and pack up the truck which was dad's at the time when we were borrowing it to move some stuff to storage. So I got home, you know, threw down some caffeine, and I started up loading up the truck as fast as I could, got it all loaded up, um, started driving to storage, was on 121, the highway right next to us. Uh, was talking to Emily at the time, and she on was the phone. On the phone. On the phone. And she was asking me how it was going and all that good stuff, how my day was. I was asking her how her day was. And as we were talking, I started noticing some black spots in my vision. Um, and I told Emily, hey, I'm, I'm seeing some black spots. I don't know what's going on. And, and the next thing I know, I am waking up in an ambulance with, you know, EMTs or firemen or whoever surrounded me and I started freaking out and they said sir 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 you were just in a car accident your truck flipped however many times we got to get you to the hospital and I, I said what are you talking about I was I was just driving and I kind of felt like I was almost being abducted by aliens I had all these people looking down on me um, and I said, no, that this can't be true. Get me out of here. I started fighting them. Uh, and they asked me, you know, we need to make a phone call. We can't get into your phone. Do you remember your mom's phone number? And so I gave them your number. Um, either that or I, I gave them my passcode to my phone and they were able to make contact with y'all, um, I believe, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So that happened and then I, they shot me up with something to basically put me to sleep me to sleep um, I woke up in the hospital um, my shoulder was banged up I had a few scratches on me but nothing too serious um, but then yeah I was told you know you you passed out or whatever turned out I had a um, seizure my first ever never had one before um, I had a seizure passed out and yeah, I flipped the truck a few times. They took me to the hospital and it was time to find out what caused that. And they, you know, they asked me whether I'd been drinking or anything like that. And so yeah, all of that happened. Um, and then 
they you know called all the family and friends Emily what she tells me she was freaking out you know calling the police the fire you know and anybody anybody she could to find out where I was what happened I think probably a good thing to interject here is because Emily was on the phone yeah she heard the whole thing happen that's right she apparently I was screaming while I was flipping so yeah she heard that yeah so that was extremely traumatic for her I can only imagine and so she and her mom Martha from what I understand um, they uh, and, and we'll talk more about where dad and I were later yeah. on but Martha and Mike really stepped up to the plate M's mom and dad and they started calling hospitals um, and that's how we found out where they were taking you. They were taking you to a specific hospital because another thing that happened that we consider, there's a lot of little miracles that happened on this journey. Absolutely. Um, one, you were in dad's truck. Yes. You were not in your little sports car. Absolutely. Um, you, you flipped the truck four times. The yeah. paramedic said that if you had been in your sports car, you would not be here today. Exactly. You, as you were flipping, you were going over, I think it's three lanes of five o'clock traffic on 121, which anybody that lives here knows that that's a 70 mile an hour road. And you didn't hit any other cars, all the other cars behind you were able to stop as you're yes. flipping across the highway. Yeah, going along with that miracle is, you know, jumping forward, um, our doctor basically let us know that caffeine is a huge cause of seizures with people that have seizure issues. Um, that caffeine, you know, alcohol, anything like that, that can cause you to be dehydrated or, or whatnot. And, you know, getting married a month before that, I had gone to a bachelor's party, you know, lots of drinking happened there. Could have had a seizure at that point. Then Emily and I had our honeymoon in Costa Rica, you know, <laughs> Lots of drinking happening there, lots of uh, stuff out in the wilderness that could have easily, you know, caused a lot of damage if I ended up having a seizure there. And, uh, you know, who knows what would have happened with, you know, medically where mm -hmm. they would have put me if I would have right. had one there. Right. And from my understanding is that um, one thing that what, what happens when someone has a seizure is there's a misfiring in the brain. Right. And so for you, um, there was, and, and you weren't just having caffeine, right? You were having these energy drinks. Mm -hmm. And because you had a lot on your plate that day, y'all were trying to move stuff to storage. You were trying to move stuff to our house. Right. And um, a couple of miracles along the way, M wanted to be to go with you. Right. And she was going to take Chloe, her right. little dog. Yes. And y'all decided not to do that. So if M, so it could very well have happened that Emily and Chloe could have been in the truck with you. Yeah, that would not have turned out well. No, it wouldn't. So, so we feel like that that was uh, one of the miracles. Another uh, miracle, and you may or may not remember this. The first people on the scene were two nurses. Yes, I do re recall you do? Or hearing. I, okay. I recall hearing you, that. Okay, and they identified that you had had a seizure. So with that information, they took you to a brain trauma hospital rather than the hospital that they were heading to. Correct. And that was a huge, huge factor in in, in 
good um, outcome. Yeah, I agree. So, kind of getting back on track. Um, so, Emily, they found you um, in the hospital. Um, they found where you were. They got there. And so, tell us from what you remember from, from starting there. Forward. Yeah, from what I remember is um, they needed to do a, a CAT scan on me. Um, so once they got us all set up for that, they wheeled me down to a room and got a CAT scan done. And uh, after that, they let us know I had about a, I believe it was a tennis ball or, ten or a ping pong balls, ping pong size ball mass on the right side of my brain here. And that they needed to find out what that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, I, I don't know if, how long I stayed at that hospital, but I believe it was either the next day or the following day we went to the other. Well, no. Um, what oh. happened was you were in that hospital, um, and they knew that um, they needed to do a biopsy. Right. So Dad and I got there. We were we were out of the country actually. So that's a whole story in and of itself. Yeah. But when we got to the hospital room, I didn't know what to expect. I I, I seriously. Now one thing that did happen, um, I did get a phone call, um, and it was from a number that I did not, um, you know, I didn't identify it. I could I didn't recognize it. So I just didn't answer it, and Dad and I were getting ready to go to like a awards ceremony for mm -hmm. his work. We were all dressed up. I had on my long dress. He had on his suit, and yeah, and sorry for burning that day for you. <laughs> I forgive you. Um, so I kept getting phone calls from this number, and I finally answered it, and. They ident the, the man identified himself as being with, I believe he said, the, the Carrollton uh, Fire Department. My immediate reaction was they're calling to, to raise money. They're trying to, you know, to, to yeah. get some money because it was, you know, in, it was kind of getting into December at this point, end mm -hmm. of November. And he finally, I finally gave him a chance to say his name. And he said, Brian has been in an accident. Mm -hmm. And um, that started the wheels in motion of, uh, of a huge change in our life. Yeah. And um, so we were able to uh, get on a flight early morning. Um, but during my phone call with him, he did tell me that they had to sedate you because you had become very agitated, kind yeah. of violent, which he said was very typical of somebody that had just gone through what you were going through. Yeah. And I said, can I talk to him? And he said, yes. So I got to talk to you. You sounded coherent. You sounded yeah. maybe like you might Half have, awake. Yeah, had just woken up. And so hearing your voice got me through the next few hours. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So getting to the hospital and walking into your room, you had a smile on your face. I was expecting cuts, bruising. Yeah. And there there weren't any. And I am so appreciative for that because 
again, just seeing you looking normal yeah. um, helped helped oh, yeah. me. I can imagine. Yeah. And at that, at that time, I still felt normal, honestly. You know, until they found out what was in my head. I mean, I thought I, was, I just got an accident. I somehow passed out, somehow had a seizure, and I'll be, you know, fine. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we, our first reaction when we heard you were in an accident, and, and really, we, at, when the paramedic or uh, the fireman, whoever called us, they didn't know at that time what was going on. Right. And so Dad and I were thinking that maybe um, you were driving reckless. You know, it was like something you did yeah, to cause course. to be in an accident. The last thing we ever would have imagined yeah, was that you had a brain tumor because there were no, there was no sign, there were no symptoms that we are aware of. Right. Up until that point. Yeah. None. No history in the family, Mm-mm. no signs or symptoms that I was showing, Mm-mm. and we've never really been struck by a de- disease like that in the family. Right, right. Um, especially someone so young. You were you were 26 years old. Right. And very very healthy, very active, and so quote unquote healthy. True. <laughs> Good point. Um, by standard definition you you were healthy. what I thought in my mind I was healthy yeah. yeah yeah so then later that uh, later that night after they had were able to run some tests Martha called M's mom and said they they see a mass uh-huh. on Brian's brain and wow you know at that point you know as a mom it's like First, I think what happened to me is I, you kind of shut down a little bit and you, you kind of go numb, and I think that's probably the body's way of protecting itself, yeah. your mind's way of protecting itself. And I thought, a mass on his brain. Um, did he hit his head? And it's, you know, that's what yeah. they're seeing is some bleeding. I, I didn't know. Right. Um, so, you know, coming home and just seeing what, what that was all about, and then finding out that yeah they're gonna have to do a biopsy on this right and we were we were treating with um, our first doctor in the hospital there that they they you know teamed with you yeah and um, so we were going we were following his direction mm-hmm. um, and and what and his recommendation right so um, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what it was like being, because you were in that hospital for a week. I don't know if you remember Yeah, I mean, that. I don't even yeah. recognize that. I no. that. That whole period of time was such a blur. I remember bits and pieces, as you can tell. One thing that happened is you had an enormous amount of visitors. Yes, that's enormous. absolutely true. All of my friends, family, I cannot thank y'all enough. Um, the support y'all sh- con- continued to show and showed back then it's just incredible and it's one of the reasons that I believe I got through it all and we got through it all mm-hmm. uh, but yeah our, our friends and family were showed up immediately to do whatever whenever yeah so let's focus on um, do you remember the, the biopsy do you remember the days around that I remember 
having the surgery, um, it just that one was just the small inc incision. Um, you know, I think they told us it would be a week or so before we found out. You know what the results of the biopsy was. Is that right? Um, I think so. I think I think so. Um, and with anything like this, the waiting, the waiting yeah. is is the worst. It is it is the worst. Yes. Um, and once you find out what it is, then then you kind of kick into the mode of all right, what what do we have to do? What's what, next? What do we have to do? One thing, and I don't know if you remember this or not. Um, when we got you home here, um, you started having excruciating headaches. Yes. Um, and you were not a person that complained about pain. You're, you're an athlete. You've had your share of sprains and breaks and, you know, bodily trauma. Right. But you were, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And what we found out um, was that they should have given you some uh, medication for inflammation and yes. they did not. Yeah, they just basically gave us some pain medicine. Yeah, but nothing, uh, nothing to, to help with your, your brain, you know, becoming inflamed and um, there is part of our journey where um, another part, another miracle is we found an, a whole new set of doctors. Yes. And I don't know if you want to start talking about that. Do I think we have a little bit more to get to before that. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's go back. All right. You've had, you've had your biopsy. Um, they're wanting they're wanting to to do a surgery they're mm -hmm. wanting to remove it right um, so what was that like for you letting that sink in um, I honestly never really let it sink in um, it was always in the back of my mind um, but you know waiting for that surgery that I was still working at the time right y you were well let's you back up let's back up okay. so after the results of the biopsy we were told that we needed to check on this to see if it if it grows right well they told us with that first doctor that it was a certain type of um, they weren't even calling it cancer right but they said that they recommended that it be removed right um, so we kind of set that's we were going to proceed with that we actually had a, a surgery date scheduled okay and um, then things started happening that put us down a different road okay um, but you were you were working at the car it's car dealership car dealership and um, you know, at that time, I I couldn't drive or lift anything heavier than twenty pounds, R right? Right. That it was after that first surgery, the biopsy. Mm -hmm. So you were taking me to work every single day. Yes, and we learned 
that once someone has a seizure, um, they are not supposed to drive for six months. They right. have to be seizure free for six months. Yeah, that was extremely brutal. Yeah, for a, especially, it's, it's brutal for anyone. Yeah. Especially for a 26 year old newly married right. guy, you know. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's one of the pieces uh, to this story. There's a lot, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff when somebody goes through something like this and yeah. so um, you know some of it I think is is helpful for people to hear yeah um, so you just were a kind of denial you're still in denial at this point yeah I was still in denial um, in my mind whatever I had in my head was not going to interrupt my life it wasn't going to change my life um, so I just continued to work um, one thing that did change is I felt that I needed to do something more important in my life um, and I really didn't know what that was but working for a car dealership nothing against people that work there but I felt like I had more of a meaning just for the reason that I survived the wreck and that I was still, you know, able to do what normal people do. Um, so I started searching and, you know, life has a way to tell you what you should do. And one, t one day I was having dinner with a buddy and I ran into uh, a sergeant for Frisco Police Department at dinner and that kind of really sparked my interest in becoming a police officer. He was actually one of my coaches in high school, basketball coaches. So he got to talking to me, I discussed what I needed to do to become a police officer and you know the easiest route or the fastest route was to become a detention officer at the Frisco Jail. So I went down that route and you know, they eventually hired me after a bunch of tests and a bunch of, you know, all that stuff, interviews and all the fun stuff you have to do to become a police officer. So that really, that mindset or the, me thinking that I wanted to do something more meaningful had me thinking I wanted to be a police officer. So yeah, that was a, a big change after that mm -hmm. first biopsy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and as far as um, where that falls in line with your condition, your you know what what was happening with with the brain cancer, so um, you started that job, and it it was it was pretty rough because you had to work. I worked the night shift, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is hard for anybody. Yes. Um, but the um, interruption in sleep and just circadian rhythm and, and all of all of the things did not was not setting you up for success no. in a, a good recovery. No, and, and a life healing. Yeah, and the lifestyle as far as the eating and sleeping and all of that was extremely unhealthy so things things did start 
changing as far as um, your your life and your job and um, you were told and and I don't know when you want to jump into the uh, change in the doctors but um, our incredible doctor um, that that we will talk a lot about she found out you were doing the night shift and she said absolutely not right so um, I remember that yeah now. yeah and so you went to your supervisor and asked if you could be put on a day shift and um, we you were told no because there were a lot of other people that had been waiting their turn yes to be put on that shift that yeah. were and so right that was just not going to be in the cards but I feel like that was that was a, a blessing in disguise. Right. So you had to look for something else because it wasn't, that was not going to be your place. Right. Um, I think we're missing out on a few things here. Okay. Um, well, one of the things that, that you wrote down is you did want to talk about how you coped with anxiety. Um, you said, how, how did you cope with the anxiety of the unknown? Right. You know, getting that diagnosis and not knowing what's going to happen. Honestly, I never really coped with it. I never really came to terms with it. I kind of just put it off to the side and buried it. And then a lot of that burying, burying was with uh, pain pills. You know, I was getting handed pain pills all the time for the pain that I supposedly still had. And, you know, I was on pain pills pretty much 24-7. I don't know if you wow, know that. no, I didn't know that. Yeah, so so I got hooked on pain pills after the first biopsy. And then I was able to wean myself off of them before I got the job at Frisco Police. And I did that silently. Emily knew about it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I was able to wean myself off of it. And then, you know, once I got the job, I, I continued to use the pain pills to hide my pain, hide my anxiety, hide it all. And so, yeah, that was mm. one of the ways I coped with having brain cancer. So when you look at what your mindset was like, does that kind of fall into the same, the mold of just trying to drown it out or do you remember what your mindset was like uh, my mindset was I'm, I'm I don't have brain cancer I, I mean I tried to convince myself I don't have brain cancer even though deep down I knew that I did mm -hmm. and it scared the crap out of me and I had insane anxiety and fear about it but I was able to drown it with the pills and mask it yeah mask it drown it with pills and you know working and working out i continued you know i continued to work out as much as i could but you know that can only do so much um so yeah were there any at that point did you start experiencing any kind of physical limitations do you remember? Uh, or was it just like it never happened? 
Yeah, it was really, besides the time that I had to wait after surgery to let my, you know, my head heal, there was really no limitations besides the limitations that got put on me by, you know, legal stuff as far as not being able to drive a mm -hmm. commercial vehicle or emergency vehicle. Um, other than that, no. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going up to that, um, the doctor, their office. He actually left out of the country. I don't know if you remember this, but he left like right after he did your biopsy. I somewhat and, remember that. Yeah, and so we really couldn't contact him personally and say something is not right here. So we had to talk to some people on his staff, and um, I went up to their to their office and told them what was happening, and um, they gave us some medication. Um, their response to what we were going through and their response to me as a mother going and just terribly upset about what you were going through um, just I kind of felt brushed off I kind of felt like I was making they thought I was making a mountain out of a molehill I immediately asked for all your records I knew at that point we were done that there that we had to do something else okay so um, yeah I guess earlier I was uh, as far as the doctor change I thought you were referring to the future doctor I, change. I am okay it, it's these p little pieces yeah. that happen are kind of oh, yeah. surfacing you forget about a lot yeah you see, and and some of it is good to forget about it yeah absolutely um, and, and a lot of it we won't share because I think we're really trying to talk about things that could, could benefit people, oh, yeah. but enough to where they get to know our story and yes. know us. So, um, uh, anything before we talk about kind of the shift in treatment, the shift in doctors, anything that you feel like um, we need to to bring out um, I don't think so I mean as far as you know working at the jail I mean I mean it, it, is, it is what it is and there's there's a few stories there <laughs> oh yeah I have a ton of amazing horrific and funny disgusting stories yeah. that came out of that but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. as far as working at the jail it is what it is. <laughs> right, right. And probably um, maybe a, a newfound respect for for people that, that oh, yeah. are in that field. Yeah, for sure. People yeah. that do that for a lifetime or many, many years, I, props to them because I, I don't, mm. there's no way I could do that. Mm -mm. It's a tough, tough thing. It Absolutely. is a tough, tough thing. So our hats off to them. Absolutely.